Hello, this is Kurt Frankum, and many of you know me as the host of the Leading Saints podcast. But Leading Saints isn't just a podcast. We are a 501c3 nonprofit organization, and we strive to create quality leadership content for Latter-day Saints in order to help them be better prepared to lead. With this mission comes a lot of expense, and we need additional help to continue our efforts in the coming year. In order to exchange value for value, we have created the Core Leader Community. To become a core leader, all you have to do is become a subscribing donor, which might be a monthly recurring donation or even a quarterly or yearly donation. For those who become a core leader through a subscription donation, you have access to our core leader library, which includes additional recorded interviews not available to the general audience, access to all virtual summits, discounts on products and conferences, and access to a private CoreCast feed where you will hear additional leadership thought and behind the scenes happenings. We are a community of leaders making this happen, and we need you a part of this mission. Text the word LEAD to 474747 in order to become a core leader today, or visit leadingsaints.org donate. Hey everyone, welcome back to the Leading Saints podcast. My name is Kurt Frankham, and I will be your host. Now, one thing we do, not only do we have a weekly podcast uh, that drops typically on Saturdays, but I'm also trying to put more emphasis on the How I Lead interviews and make sure we don't skip over too many How I Lead interviews. Now, How I Lead interview, I feel like I've said that a lot, a How I Lead interview is where I sit down with an everyday leader. They're not an author or a professional speaker or a CEO of a company. Well, I guess sometimes they might be. But just everyday leaders and asking them, hey, you deal with the similar problems that the rest of us deal with. How do you go about solving these problems or what programs have you put in place? And we do that by focusing on a specific calling. Now, this interview is with Chris Balco, and I usually do these these interviews in, in a pair of interviews, but this time I won't just because I recorded this interview with him, bless his heart, like a week before the October 2019 general conference where the young men's traditional program was sort of done away with or adjusted, right? And so this is before that announcement, so we don't know better than to talk in that context. But the principles that Chris talks about still apply to leading young men today, especially as an advisor or even in a bishopric. And so I didn't want to uh, flush this uh, interview just because uh, the program has changed because there's such strong leadership principles within it. So I hope you enjoy this interview and discussion with Chris Balco, a former Young Men's President. Today I'm in downtown Salt Lake City with Chris Balco. How are you, Chris? Doing well. Awesome. Now, where is it that you uh, reside right now? Uh, Kaysville, Utah. Kaysville, Utah. Yes. And drive all the way downtown to work for Zions Bank. Yes, I do. Nice. You just gave me the tour of this historic building. Where, Absolutely. Uh, a lot of history connected with the church, right? A lot of history. Absolutely. And uh, I, I didn't realize even, you know, Brigham Young and the other prophets have been the president of Zions Bank. And I mean, so there's some, it was almost like an auxiliary of the church for some time, like a secular auxiliary. Yeah. Yeah. yeah kind of like similar to... Um, you know, the, like the humanitarian efforts and things yeah, like yeah. that. I, I, I believe those are like separate entities of the church. So yeah. yeah, I would say similar. And we, we sort of take it for granted. You know, we know, we all sort of know the basic stories of Brigham Young coming here, that the saints building this incredible city. And we don't realize like, you know, banking had to play a huge role in that because, you know, people need loans, there needs to be currency flow and things Absolutely. like that. And Zions Bank uh, 
played a role in that. For sure. Yeah, since the 1870s. Now, now you have an interesting background that uh, you weren't uh, born in the church. That is correct. Where are you from originally? I grew up in Bridgeport, Connecticut. Nice. And uh, how does a guy from Connecticut end up in the church? Well, I, the joke has always been I got on I-80 West uh-huh. <laughs> in New Jersey going. and kept going and landed in Salt Lake City. I actually have some relatives that live in Bountiful, my aunt and uncle. And so they, um, they had a son my age that was uh, going to college and I thought, what a cool experience, go away to school. So I lived with them for a few years and that was in uh, September of 1985. So I've been wow. here a long time, just past 34 years. So, And were, the, are, were they Latter-day Saints or? No, nope, they're, they're uh, members of the Catholic Church as well as I was growing up. Okay. Just happened to, to be in Utah. Yeah. So my uncle worked for a company back East and he ended up out here oh, cool. uh, working in Utah. So yeah. So out to Utah, you were in, into our uh, domain here. And he, <laughs> did, <laughs> did you, so what was your feeling when he came out? Did you know much about the, the Mormons? Or? No, not a ton. I, I knew Danny Ainge. I knew BYU. Uh-huh. I uh, yeah, definitely from being a sports fan. I actually remember watching the the championship game with Robbie Bosco against Michigan in 1984. I remember watching that nice. on TV. I had a cousin who lived in Utah, so I had a had an interest in that. But yeah, no, I not a ton. So I um, definitely uh, it was a cultural shift, I would say, mm-hmm. to live in Utah. But you know, in hindsight, is one of the best in, best things that ever happened yeah. to me. So, yeah. and what was the uh, the game changer as far as you deciding to to be baptized? Yeah, it was a, it was a process for sure. I was just turning 18 when I moved here and I lived here for uh, approximately eight years before I joined the church and primarily going to college with return missionaries. Just, you know, I, we talked about this at lunch the other day. We, you know, President Udorf quotes St. Francis of Assisi a lot in his conference talks where he says, you know, we need to preach the gospel every day and use words if necessary. And and what I mean by that is, you know, no one really talked to me a ton about the church, but just seeing the the work ethic and the maturity and, you know, just after a while, you know, living here eight years and looking for a change in my own life, I was, it was just sitting there right in front of me. I, I kind of joke with my kids that I, I joined the church for them before they were even born so they could have that as a part of their life. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, it's just that, that example was really the primary thing for me, for sure. Nice. Now there's probably a lot more detail and, and uh, stories to that, yeah. but l- let's fast forward to, uh, you're currently serving as a young men's president. Yes. Was this, a, had you spent a lot of time in the young men's program before? Not at all. Oh yeah? <laughs> Not at all, which is interesting. I, I've had a number of callings in the church where I've been put in positions where I've had absolutely no background whatsoever. And, uh, but you know, that's the amazing thing yeah. about the church, right? The spirit gets yeah. you through. And sometimes so. that's a benefit. I mean, you don't have, sort of have traditions of your fathers to- uh, Yeah, that's for <laughs> sure. Mistakes of your fathers to, yeah, to fall exactly. into or step into, right? So what, what do you remember about that experience of being called as a young men's president? Oh, shocked. I had just um, served um, three years in a bishopric and had been out for about nine or 10 months and was just, just not that you ever see any calling coming, but I really didn't see that one coming. I just, mm-hmm. it was a big surprise, but- I would easily say it's been my, the most fun calling I've had in the church by far. Was it difficult to, without that background or your own experience as a young man in the young men's program or, and, and was that difficult? It, it wasn't difficult. I, you know, I've said this to the, the guys that I serve with. I, it's been amazing. Again, I've had a number of callings in the church, but the, the spirit has been so direct hmm. as to what to do. And especially in the counseling process with my counselors and my secretaries and one of our advisors, I just, yeah, it's been it's been just an abundant flow of spirit to give us direction. It's been, it's been really powerful. Wow. Is there a certain like uh, scenario or 
context in which that spirit comes and you kind of feel led there? As, I mean, is it in your presidency meetings? Is it just as you ponder over these things or how, how do you, how do you receive that? Yeah, actually, that's a great question. The, the two things, the presidency meeting for sure. And, you know, morning runs. Oh yeah. <laughs> everybody are, everybody kind of has their, their peaceful moment, but morning yeah. runs and, you know, sometimes in the shower kind of a thing, but, yeah. but yeah, I've definitely had some, you know, and I think that what I bring to the presidency meeting comes in those private moments. And then what's been awesome is counseling together and, and really having it come together yeah. as to what things that we've implemented program wise with our young men to try to get them yeah. heading in a good direction. So. Cool. Well, you know, I haven't done enough interviews with young men's presence. So I was excited to be able to sit down and, and uh, dig into to your experience in this calling. And as I do typically with the, how I lead interviews is I have you kind of think through some leadership principles that you, that you lead by, that you rely upon to uh, find success in, in your role. So you have become quite passionate about missions yes, in this. So sure. Where did that come from? I mean, where, obviously, you didn't serve a mission as, as a convert. So where did this passion of missions come from? Yeah, I would say, you know, from, again, my experience of going to college with, with these, you know, not so young men, I guess, if they're just getting off their missions, but just, again, seeing that in their lives, seeing the discipline, the maturity, the focus. You know, I remember a couple of guys who, you know, I just, out of high school, trying to, you know, get through college and I'm watching them start families, working full-time jobs, going to school, getting great grades. And I'm like, where is this coming from? I didn't know anybody like this, right? Yeah. Like, and, and it wasn't just one, it was, it was all these guys. They're just such a focused and disciplined lifestyle. And I, you know, I, I wanted that in my life. So I, so I, so as I also grew up having grown up back East, you know, I've unfortunately experienced a lot of tragedy with, you know, guys that I grew up with, you know, the, you know, graduating in high school in 1985, you know, the, the drug culture was pretty rough. And mm. I unfortunately have done temple work for <laughs> too many friends that are, aren't with us anymore. And, wow. you know, so I, I probably, my oldest daughter would attest to this, probably overdid it a little bit with, you know, being a little overprotective as to what was happening in life. Like she would always say, dad, this is Utah. This isn't, you know, this isn't back East. It's not as crazy here, but you know, I just, I do have a real passion for making sure youth kind of have that, that direction and focus in life. I like guess yeah. it's just a big deal to me, not only for the the young men, but also for my own children. Yeah. That's interesting sure. because, you know, a lot of, especially lifelong Latter-day Saints, they sort of have the perspective with youth of, of the benefit that a good righteous life can do for a young man. You know, I've been on a mission. I, I've seen what it's done for me. I've seen friends go on missions and, and do that. But you sort of have the other side of the coin that, you know, you've seen some tragedy of people who didn't have the gospel, who didn't have structure, stability in there, especially in those teenage years that now they're gone, yeah. you know, and they shouldn't be gone. They shouldn't right? be gone. Absolutely. And so that's a motivating thing. Yeah. And I miss them dearly, which yeah, I, yeah absolutely. <laughs> wow. Well, that, I love that, that, uh, that motivates you. And so it, really that main goal is, you know, as a young men's president, how can you, how can you influence them so that the mission is part of their life, right? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. So where does it start? I mean, where, uh, how do you begin to even influence that, that path for them? Yeah. So I, I'll probably take one quick step back and yeah, just yeah. Extra describe an experience. So we, our stake was created about seven and a half years ago. And when we, when our stake was created, the, the general authority came and he was praising us as they were getting ready to announce who the new, you know, stake leaders would be. And I remember him praising us about how our area of County Kaysville, Farmington was, you know, in the top echelon of statistics for the church. And one of the things he said was that, you know, and, you know, one of the statistics was how many young men went on missions. 
And so as I listened to this, I was thinking, you know, it was going to be 80, 90, 95%. He said 50%. It blew me away. Like, hmm. if, so in the, the strong areas of the church, only 50% of these young men are going on missions. I just, man, I just was like, you know, not to, <laughs> to be negative or anything, but I'm like, that's not good enough. That's, yeah. that's not enough in that, that. So at that time, I, uh, yeah, as I, you know, the next couple of callings I had, the group of young men that are leaving on missions now, I work with them um, as deacons when I was in the bishopric and now they're leaving on, on missions. And so it's, it's a pretty exciting time to, to watch all that happen for sure. Yeah. And, and so that sort of focused you in. And so this be, was before you were called as young men's president that yeah. you had this experience. Yeah. So being second counselor in the bishopric, I, oh, was, okay. I was with the deacons and gotcha. so doing three years there and then getting released and then coming in and as young men's president, I had him through kind of junior and senior yeah. year. So. so when that called as young men's president came, it was sort of like, all right, lock and load. Let's, let's yeah, make this happen. time. Yeah. Absolutely. Nice. So you, you described some four areas that uh, I guess these are reasons that you've seen that maybe missionaries don't don't serve, right? Yeah. So with having that thought of 50%, it makes you ask the question, why? What, mm -hmm. What's the common denominator? What are the things that are preventing young men to go out on mission? So the, you know, the four things we discussed earlier were fear, lack of testimony, uh, worthiness, and mental and uh, physical preparation were the kind of the, the common denominators as a group that we've kind of come up with to nice. try to focus on. So have you, do you have a, a structured approach that you've taken to really com combat all these, these areas, these, these barriers that, that keep them from serving? Yeah, we have for sure. So, you know, the, the first two kind of fear and lack of testimony kind of go hand in hand a little bit, you know, agencies is a big part of our lives, obviously. And so one of the, the things that we found is, you know, even a family might be having, you know, family scripture study and family prayer and all the family activities, but if the young men themselves aren't actively using their agency to gain their own testimonies. So we try to mirror a program that our stake president has. When young men actually get their calls and they start meeting with the stake president before they leave on their missions, he has a program called 202020, which is 20 minutes in the Book of Mormon, 20 minutes in Preach My Gospel, and 20 minutes in conference talks every day, hmm. which is a lot, right? That's an hour a day. That's a big ask. And so as we counseled as a young man, young men's presidency, we thought about that and we said, that's a, you know, and we've identified this kind of fear and lack of testimony and how can we get them to use their agency? So we do a, a kind of a January 1st challenge every year and we call it 555, which instead of doing the 20 minutes, they do five minutes. So when you've got deacons through priests, it's a little younger age group. So we wanted to make it kind of equivalent across the board. And so what we do is we start January 1st and there's essentially an, um, 100 days um, if you do it five days a week between then and the end of school. And so we we print out these charts. And so it's got five days a week for all the weeks and they get to check it. And so every day they do it, you know, they get a check mark. So if they can get 100, 100 check marks, we do a, a big steak dinner right at the, like the last day of school oh, wow. to celebrate that. But again, just trying to get them to not only, you know, again, use their agency, doing it on their own, we, um, in our, right before our priest quorum starts, what we do is we ask them to, we, we have a large priest quorum over 20 boys. So what we do is we assign each uh, time we meet a couple of the boys to s tell us, share with us what their experience was with 555 that week. And we try to do that deacons, teachers, and priests. So, oh, wow. so they, it gives them an opportunity to not only, you know, focus on that, but they know that, okay, yeah, I'm going to be having to talk about this yeah. on Sunday. Hopefully that spurs a little uh -huh. bit. And, you know, you get like anything else, it's, you don't get a hundred percent participation, but you know, you know, maybe if it's just that one extra young man that sparks something in there that helps them, that's, 
yeah. huge, right? Yeah, it really systematizes that that experience because there's a great book by Scott Adams, who's actually the guy that does Dilbert, but he writes these these great books and he talks about how systems are more important than goals. And it's easy to sort of set goals, you know, the bold goals in your organization that we're going to do your, you know, everybody's going to read this and, and everybody's going to get a testimony and everybody's going to have a relationship with Jesus Christ or whatever. But instead, if you step back and say, what's our system in getting them there and focusing on that, and that's exactly what you've done, that then the system that everybody knows that, okay, I do this every day. And then on Sunday, we, you know, people take their turn to reflect upon it. And so I would imagine there's some progress being being seen there. Yeah, absolutely. And, and it's funny you should say that one of my testimonies of the church is that very thing is I'm not smart enough to come up with something like that. So when it comes from the spirit and you see other people in the world kind of finding the same things, I've seen that so many times yeah. in my service where you know you read a business book and you go, oh yeah, we do that. And uh-huh. we did it because we were prompted to do it, but yeah, yeah. It's, it works, right? So that's Yeah, a, that's yeah truth is truth. Absolutely. Wherever it's found. Right? Absolutely. So so that that process is that obviously that that approaches the lack of testimony, but do you kind of see that approaching everything, or 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 which one of the four does do you feel like that helps most with? Yeah, I think a combination of fear and lack of testimony. I think you know the fear side of it. I think some of the young men are a little more outgoing than others. I think some of the less outgoing. I think that that there's a real fear there yeah. to get out there and <laughs> have to talk to people. Yeah, you know, nine hours a day. And so I think addressing those fears, again, having the spirit in your life, hopefully that helps them, you know, overcome that fear. Mm -hmm. You know, action always overcomes fear, right? Mm -hmm. And so I, you know, can't think of too many better things than getting them in those different areas of gospel study to to bring the spirit in life. You know, that whole concept of fear is an interesting one because I remember it's, I guess for each young man, it's going to be, that fear is going to manifest itself in a different way. Like uh, some may be have the fear of leaving home, right? That homesickness feeling exactly. is one thing. Some have the fear of talking with people, right? And so just keeping them engaged and especially the young men's program can help address all those things, right? I mean, like you you give them opportunity to stand and articulate what they've they've learned. I mean, that mm-hmm. just that simple skill is going to help them feel more comfortable with the idea of well, I'm going to actually go in this foreign country and, and talk to people, you know, exactly. and at least I, I can draw upon the skills of articulating the gospel that maybe that that could be a possibility for me, right? Absolutely. And you're not going to solve the fear completely, but this is an effort that you can do. Yeah. And actually to add one other item that we do, this was a a young men's president in our ward two presidencies ago. What he would do is, and we still do this, we get together on a Friday night and we create companionships and they, those companionships plan a lesson. We practice it on Sunday morning or Sunday right after church. And then we have signups throughout the entire ward. And so that companionship, we try to find a home they're not familiar with and they go and they get dinner and they go and teach. Hmm. And the young men and the young women do it now. And so we go throughout the whole word and they just go and they teach a lesson and they get a dinner. We ask them to cook unconventional food if they're comfortable doing that to get them used to maybe eating something they don't oh, like, cool. <laughs> which nice. is a definition experience from what I hear. And so that's, yeah, that, and that's been great. We're actually, we usually do that in the fall and our, our ones coming so, up. Here. So break that down for me. So yeah. the, the, you do, a, it's one activity every fall uh-huh. and uh, it's a, like a combined activity with all the youth or? So we do it. So we've traditionally done it just with the young men because we go to a cabin and we, we do it on a Friday night where we make the companionships and they, they practice, you know, their lesson together. We get up and do a hike in the morning and try to do a, you know, kind of a spiritual element around that. And then on Sunday, they, you know, the ward has kind of created this big sign up sheet and the young women kind of do their kind of their own thing. Okay. But that's kind of the tradition of what our young men is. So, so you kind of go on a retreat type of thing in a cabin exactly. and uh, you go through practice 
make a spiritual component with the hike. And then is it later that day they go out and teach these things or is yeah, it just Sunday, they, on Sunday? Night oh, on Sunday night. Yeah, okay. So it's right after church on Sunday, we practice right after church one more time. And then they like around five or six o'clock on Sunday night. Oh, cool. And so they would just go to random house in the, I mean, they're assigned to it, but they go to another house in the ward yes. and that person knows to maybe cook something a little different, not mm. just spaghetti and meatballs. Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and then they they have dinner and then they teach they teach that family wow, and awesome. we try to identify a family they might they might not be very comfortable with somebody that they're not used to kind of thing so they're oh, just man. like being on a mission right going yeah. with some foreigners or not foreigners but foreign persons house. right right yeah and so yeah I couldn't find the right word there but <laughs> yeah. so yeah yeah so I think it's a great experience and one of the things we tried at High Adventure last year that was super successful we're gonna try we didn't have enough time on our High Adventure this year so um, one of our leaders. Um, had us do something with a commitment stone and a and a sin stone. It was a very powerful. Experience. A commitment stone. A commitment stone okay. and a sin stone. And what oh, that was was the as the young men's president, I stood on the edge of a cliff, and the young man came up to me, and if they were comfortable, they would make a commitment to themselves, and they would lay that rock at my feet, and then the other rock was a sin stone, and, and we were on the edge of a cliff, and they would throw that off the cliff. And at first, like the guy that suggested doing it, I was like. You know, I want to support the guy. You know, we're trying to be spiritual. I couldn't think of anything better, and I just, I was just blown away at the power really? of the spirit. Because at first, kind of seems cheesy. Yeah, right? it, it, like, it does. Right, what's what's going to happen? You know, when you know these young men, ironically, the first couple young men that came and did it, I didn't know as well. But when you heard what they were saying and what was on their minds, and and you knew them, man, the, the connection was so powerful. And it was, it was just powerful all around. Wow. And then I, you know, I remember one individual just taking that stone and just throwing it as hard as he could. And I remember thinking, man, he was really yeah. <laughs> trying to get rid of that, you know? <laughs> so yeah, it was, that was a shockingly powerful thing. So in this coming fall, we're going to find a hike where we can, we can replicate that because that was super powerful. Nice. So you, so break that one down. So you go on a hike and, but uh, you take a, like a, a, a moment to, for them to reflect and then consider the, the commitment and the, and the sin and. And then they go kind of through this. Yeah, this so that's a great question. So what we do is we take most of the young men and keep get them about a hundred yards away. You just send one man at a, one young man at a time to the leader that's sitting on the edge of the cliff. Uh-huh. And so that one young man has the opportunity one on one with his leader to to you know drop the commitment stone and then throw the sin stone off the edge. And then when that young man leaves, and we were really you know the other leaders are with those young men, so they're not goofing around and making noise. It's it's a pretty solemn and quiet experience. Yes. Yeah. So yeah, it was super powerful. Well, that's cool. You know, I've, I've, I want to do more research on this, but I've learned more and more about the power of initiation. And sometimes these, you know, the, I, I don't know if ritual is the right word, that sounds a little off the wall, but you know, these ritualistic types of process we go through as, as human beings can be very powerful, especially in this initiation. Like, you know, you're in some form, you're initiating them as part of the core. You know, Absolutely. you're saying you're part of us, you, you, you're making a commitment and we're casting out the, this natural man that, that is constantly plaguing us, yeah, you know? I never thought of that, but that's, yeah, that's well said. So I think there's there's probably more we could uh, define on that, just that process. But I think you've, that, I think that's why it's so effective that there's something in our heart that that speaks to, that that speaks to, that's saying, you know, we we want to make a commitment. We want to cast out the part of us that uh, that is sinful. Yeah. You know? So cool. Um, where do we head next with uh, these, these forward areas? Yeah, the, the worthiness um, section of it, you know, that's that's been an interesting one. We were, um, you know, the duty to God program is changing now, but last year we tried to do something similar between the start of school and then um, Christmas break, where we were trying to get the boys to get their duty to God finished. And that, you know, as I as a leader, I try to 
do it myself, right? I try to go through the pamphlet and and do all the activities. And, and the thing I kept coming back to, and I guess in my you know own journey in life, I had never really thought about the spiritual strength that comes from having a morning devotional. And you know, we're supposed to read our scriptures and have our prayers and you know, kind of check that box. But it talks so much about spiritual strength and as you know, the challenges that our, you know, our young men have today of, you know, pornography and all the, you know, their phones, they can get anything they want access to in two seconds, right? That spiritual strength element has been something that we've, we've talked a good bit about the importance of that for sure. Hmm. Because yeah, I mean, I, again, that's something I've learned later in life, but yeah, now I think, and I've even noticed in my own life, just the idea of, yeah, when I miss that in the morning, I notice a difference in my day. Now I've, I've got that perspective. And so that is super important. And, you know, we, you know, when it comes to these young men, I mean, there's so much, I guess, some of my experience in serving in the church is, you know, you get to the point where, you know, a young man has a struggle and then, oh, you can't take the sacrament. And, you know, then it's the shame and you're hiding and, yeah. you know, and I, I kind of look back in that and I, I started thinking to myself, man, I mean, isn't what is, I mean, the atonement is, is there for us to to help us through this. You know, why would we why would we pull some something like that away? And so we one of the conversations we we try to have with the young men now is, you know, okay, if you messed up, as opposed to looking at it like a like a shameful, I'm bad opportunity, Heavenly Father knew we were gonna mess up when we came to earth. That's why he he sent a savior for us, right? And um he with that, he um He's there to help us through that. So let's look at it as an opportunity to not necessarily feel bad about ourselves, but an opportunity to get closer to our savior, to create a relationship with him so you can get through that. So that's, you know, so that's the thing that we've at our our most recent high adventure. We, as we kind of got around the campfire and talked, we really put a big emphasis on that with the, you know, the bishop was there and where we would just say, look, I mean, this is, this is an opportunity, right? This is, you know, back to the lack of testimony and fear, like, you know, when you have a relationship, when you've gone through something difficult and you've felt the spirit of forgiveness, man, that's a totally different deal, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, I love that approach. I mean, cause it's easy to think, you know, consider worthiness, especially with youth and you just sort of show up every Sunday and beat them with the obedience stick, you know? Yeah. And, but to really like speak to them and, and connect with their heart. I mean, that's, that's the, there's a huge difference in that than saying, you know, remember, don't do this, don't do that. Yeah. You know? So is there a way that you because you're talking about this, you know, emphasis on spiritual strength. Is there a way that you constantly hit that in a, without making the lesson about spiritual strength every week? Like, how do you infuse that in the culture of your of your quorums uh, without just beating them with the, the obedience stick? Yeah, that's why we try to have the, you know, the, either the duty to God or the um, or the five 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 program. You know, we kind of broke we break the year down into kind of three sections. I mean, the summer everyone travels; it's super tough, so we're kind of treading water. So we try to have a challenge from the beginning of school to Christmas break, and then from uh, January 1 to the end of school. And that's where the idea of that spiritual strength is that they're doing their their 555 or their duty to God. I had some experiences this summer with people who are interested in investigating our church, and we're trying to connect with their religious background through the New Testament. And they felt like the missionaries were so versed in the Book of Mormon, they were having a hard time connecting Hmm. with the missionary, right? So I had, you know, being from Connecticut, I had a, a friend who was a member of the Jehovah's Witness Church. And we had a lot of conversation about that, where he had met with the sister missionaries, loved them. But, you know, I guess on the positive side, it allowed, you know, he hadn't been active in his church. So 
the conversation and meeting with the missionaries got him active back in his church. And he was very grateful for that. And, and Jesus was back in his life. But, you know, as I, I thought through that and interviewed a number of return missionaries this summer, so we switched from duty to God this year to the come follow me lesson since we're on the New Testament. Mm-hmm. So we're doing that same thing before quorum each time we meet those boys are given a, a quick five minutes of what they learned from come follow me that week. So again, just that not only having that spiritual strength in their own personal study, but having an accountability measure to do that when yeah. they're, you know, later on. So I love that just that, you know, with, with these various challenges and they're not just challenges, but they're almost like traditions that you implement in their experience year to year that they sort of know, okay, it's, uh, it's, it's the now. fall. Okay. This is the year, this is the time we do this. And then, and then it's less, it's more about focusing on the challenge and, you know, obviously it's not that the challenge is all fun and games sometimes, but nonetheless, it's engaging enough that they get the message of spiritual, spiritual strength through that. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. What about with the mental and physical health? Uh, how do you approach that? Like that's one of the four that keep people off the mission. Is there, there's something you do to, to build them up there? Yeah. Yeah. So we, when I first got called as young men's president, we had this stake young men's presidency training. And one of the individuals was, um, a PA that worked for a podiatrist. And he was saying how these boys were coming home after six weeks because their feet hurt and they were having foot surgery because they had never walked before. Right. And so yeah. what we've tried to do is really do some challenging high adventures. And when you do that, it requires to do some build up to that. So we do some, some hikes and things like that. So we, uh, the first year that I was young men's president, we did a, a we did a 50 miler down in Southern Utah wow. and it was challenging. I mean, yeah. it was at altitude. It was, um, about 10,000 feet. It was down at Boulder Plateau. And we started on a Monday and finished late on a Friday night and we had some, some tired kids, but they, you know, they had to challenge themselves and get through some difficulty. And, you know, again, what we hear over and over, I would actually suggest Elder Robbins in the most recent Ensign article, this, the most recent Ensign this month has uh, an article about raising resilient youth. And he talks about how we're losing these young men. So that's sep- that would be September, September of 2019. Of yeah. Okay. Wow. And so it's a really powerful article. I'd recommend anyone who's interested to read it. But yeah, so we did that. And then this year we did King's Peak and um, got caught in a lightning storm on the top oh and had goodness. to hide out in a cave. And we, you know, that was a faith tester. Wow. <laughs> you know, we were sitting there literally, you know, five feet from the top and we got caught in an electrified cloud. And so, yeah, that was a, that was a testimony builder. <laughs> oh, but the one that, uh, memories that they won't, will never, will never forget. Absolutely. And that's, you know, that's the highest peak in Utah. 13,500 took us, it was a 26 mile round trip that we did in like from a Thursday to a Saturday. And yeah, it was very, very challenging. But again, I just, I, there was one particular young man I was super impressed with that he wanted to do it so bad that he was, he was sick the night before from the altitude he woke up the next morning, he was still sick and we, we didn't think he was going to go and he gutted it out and did it. Wow. You know, and it just, again, if it was just that one young man that got that out of it, right? That was, that was oh, yeah. huge to watch somebody do that. It, so, yeah. And I just think of the personal growth of pushing that young man, having an opportunity to push himself to do something really difficult and to do it. I mean, I can't imagine the, you know, the dopamine hit, he probably got the elation exactly. from, from doing that. Right. Especially the adrenaline from the light. Oh yeah. <laughs> That's cool. So, and I love this approach that again, you're not, it's again, it's so easy. And as a young minister president, I would guess to, you know, you sort of, they show up every week, you beat them with the obedience stick and you kind of, you know, shame them into coming to the weekly activity and, and then you drag them over to their mission papers and say, all right, fill this out. I mean, obviously yeah. you don't do that, but that, I think that's generally, you know, we want them to 
get on missions and we we sort of take this this cadence of, you know, just got to get them on the mission and then it'll take, the rest will take care of itself. But I love your approach is like, you're taking it like, I'm going to tr- create a training camp of all these aspects that, yeah, they may not go, but it won't be because of, of fear. It won't be because of lack of testimony or worthiness or, or mental or physical, uh, you know, weakness. But you're approaching from all those angles that really prepare them that even if they don't go on a mission, they're going to be awesome at college yeah. or they're going to be awesome in the military Absolutely. or, you know. So I, I love that. Yeah, no, thank you. I, it's, it's been rewarding. And to actually take it one further, what I think I've also experienced with one aspect of the priest quorum is the first year that I got put in there, they had already um, chosen a first and second assistant as well as a secretary. And so we worked with those young men, you know, write, you know, write them on their missions. It's awesome. But the, that second year working with the bishop, the bishop had been in for, he, he was close to being released and, and was very experienced. And he really, he picked the right boys. And so that second year, you know, the spiritual impressions we kept having was, you know, this needs to be a mentorship program. And so with that first and second assistant and that secretary, you know, you, you're going to deal with them more, especially when you have a large quorum. And so we, um, we did some, some real service projects. I mean, we're talking senior year, last couple months of the year where they're, they're having to plan it. They're stressed out about it, making sure they're not missing any. One of the boys used it as his Eagle project. And, you know, they had that leadership like experience, right? That we all feel like stress. Am I forgetting anything? What do I need to do? You know, include, you know, having him give assignments to his, you know, the other assistant and the secretary, having them spend money and filling out the reimbursement forms, you know, for activities, <laughs> yeah. for the treats and stuff like that. I know that might not seem like a big deal, but I thought I would be- With a, your accounting experience. background, that's yeah. a big deal. <laughs> Dang bean counters. <laughs> and so, yeah. So I just think having that, that real leadership position, I just over and over again, I catch myself trying to control everything and do the calling that the young men are supposed to do. And I've constantly trying to catch myself and back up and push as much of that on them as I can. So they're getting that leadership experience. And so I just, I've had that prompting constantly to just back off and let them do it. Yeah. And it's just, and, and to watch them grow and watch them take that on. And I just, it was just such a, an amazing experience to watch that. I just, so this year I went up, so we had a new bishop and I, I got right in his face. I'm like, we got to get this right. <laughs> we got to make sure we call the right three boys that are ready for this, that need this experience. And so, yeah, pretty powerful. Yeah. Wow. And it's so tempting in those scenarios to see a young man that you care about that's stressed and, you know, he's already got school stresses and things. Exactly. It's yeah. so tempting to just like step in there and say, hey, you know, let me help you out here. Yeah. But to just step back and let him under that, let him uh, grow under that pressure. Because again, that's going to mentally prepare him for the mission field. In life. Yeah. yeah. And life in general. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So it's true. awesome to watch. Anything we're missing before we wrap up? Yeah, I think that kind of that covers it. I just just amazing experiences. Yeah. I guess the one the one thing we try I mentioned earlier that we try to <laughs> keep up with the young women. They do amazing things on their birthdays. We try to go and um, bring them birthday socks, a pair of cheap socks, not cheap, but you can go to Nordstrom Rack and get them. You know, yeah, three pair for ten bucks. And we try to go and visit the young men and you know give them a pair of birthday socks that they can wear. Sure, they're just church socks. Yeah, yeah. And so it's just an opportunity, especially with we have over a hundred in our youth program. And I think over, well over 50 young men to try to, you know, integrate and get to see them all. So that's one thing that I, you know, you, you never catch up with the young women, but you try to stay in their trails. So yeah, awesome <laughs> for sure. So last question I have is, uh, as you reflect on, on your time as a young, young men's president, uh, how has leading the young men made you a better follower of Jesus Christ? Yeah. So I was, 
we talked about earlier about the worthiness thing. When you see these young men and you see their sincere desires to be good and you see that, you know, there's just, there's always that struggle. Youth are going to struggle and we encourage them to have, make the atonement a part of their life. You know, I've, it's been powerful for me to try to, you know, I've had the prompting of to be easier on myself that you're encouraging these young men and you see the potential in them and the, the Christ-like love that Heavenly Father has for them. And why wouldn't you give your, that to yourself? You know, you have your own struggles, you know, make sure that the atonement is a bigger part of your life and you're growing closer to your Savior with the struggles that you have. And it's almost like giving me that license to say, you know, see the vision of how Heavenly Father sees these young men. He sees me just the same. And it's, that's been powerful for me. Hey, that concludes my interview with Chris Bauko. I hope that you benefited from uh, some of his perspectives. And there's a lot to consider, especially when we're leading young men in in this gospel, especially when we're trying to create a foundation for them, right? That's going to springboard them into a life uh, full of faith and, and testimony. So I hope you benefited from some of these. If you know of an exceptional young men's leader, like it could be someone in a bishopric or a young men's advisor, uh, whatever it is, I would love to be in contact with them, and especially just learning how they're going about with this new, the new structure and the new program that we have in the young men's organization. I know I'm currently serving as a preschool advisor, and it's definitely, there's been some adjustment there, right? It's kind of feels like things are out of control, or I don't have as much control as I'd like, you know, just giving that onus to the young men. But nonetheless, I'm glad that uh, I'm glad it's in place. And I think there's a lot of benefit from this. But I'm afraid that there's a lot of leaders out there that are scratching their head. They're not sure what to do. And so maybe they're either reverting back to the old program about how it was, or they're just confused and they don't know what to do. So if you know of an exceptional leader of the young men, I would love to be in touch and reach out to them. You can go to leadingsaints.org slash contact. Send me a quick message. That'll come directly to me, and uh, we'd love to consider some of those connections. And remember, text the word LEAD to 474747 and join the Core Leader community today. It came as a result of the position of leadership which was imposed upon us by the God of heaven who brought forth a restoration of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And when the declaration was made concerning the own and only true and living church upon the face of the earth, we were immediately put in a position of loneliness, the loneliness of leadership from which we cannot shrink nor run away and to which we must face up with boldness and courage and ability.